On November 9th, 2018, I went to a friend's house with my son. Within minutes of being there, I was told I hadn't even taken off my coat, and all of a sudden I collapsed. I didn't know it at the time, and I don't have any recollection of this moment, but I had suffered a brain aneurysm rupture. Once I was home, that's when I got scared. I still have another aneurysm. It's very, very small. That's a less invasive surgery, but I was scared of that aneurysm rupturing, or I was scared of the aneurysm that was clipped all of a sudden becoming unclipped. I was scared of having another stroke. It got to a point that I couldn't fall asleep, and before bed I would cry myself to sleep from being so scared. My work has been amazing through all this. They have been unbelievable. They've been some of my number one supporters and my cheerleaders. And through all this, I email all of them regularly. We've always kept in touch throughout this year and I've uh, given them updates. And uh, yes, I'm absolutely looking forward to going back to work. I found that social media has really been a great support for me because I've been able to team up with people who have gone through exactly what I have gone through and we've sort of formed our own community. We talk about our surgeries and our struggles and our weaknesses and just how devastating this all has been for us. So I found people who have resonated with my story and I resonate with theirs. Hello, this is Stroke Stories. I'm Mark Goodyear. For some survivors, after a stroke, surgery is necessary. One of the procedures that sometimes is required is a craniotomy. That's when part of the skull is removed to relieve pressure on the brain after it's sustained damage, which is then replaced at the end of surgery. This procedure can be life-saving, but also traumatic for those who've never experienced invasive surgery before. We started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this episode, we'll hear from Cynthia Martinez from Delaware in the USA, who suffered a stroke at the age of 34. Life before the stroke was pretty normal. I am a digital marketing specialist for an investment firm. I would travel to work, and then I would come home and take care of my son. I would work out three to four times a week. And I lived a pretty healthy life. I would eat healthy. I would exercise regularly and I would work. And on the occasional time that I would find to myself, I would make time for my family and my friends. On November 9th, 2018, I went to a friend's house with my son. Within minutes of being there, I was told I hadn't even taken off my coat. And all of a sudden I collapsed. I didn't know it at the time, and I don't have any recollection of this moment, but I had suffered a brain aneurysm rupture. I was lucky enough that my friends acted quickly, and the EMTs got there quickly, because 15% of people with a ruptured aneurysm died before even reaching the hospital. I was rushed to the hospital, and the aneurysm was quickly clipped, and a day or two later, I had the stroke. And I was still unconscious at this time. And at this time, my brain also began to swell. 
So they had to do my second emergency surgery to remove part of the skull to give room for the brain to swell. I was unconscious for about two weeks and through many, many prayers and the miracle of God, I woke up on Thanksgiving Day. It's a, a bit murky, but I still have like flashes of memory. I'm not able to piece all of it together, but I do remember my sister talking to me and my family members coming to my bedside and talking to me. I was told that one of the ICU nurses told me what happened. I don't have any recollection of him telling me this, but when I did wake up, I found when I started grasping what had happened to me, I found that I was without a bone flap. My upper body was contracted from the stroke. My left arm was up at my chest and I couldn't move it. And I didn't have the strength to have it swing down normally, like my right side. From November 9th, I was in the hospital for a total of a month and 10 days. And then after I woke up two weeks later, I was well enough for another surgery to put my bone flap back in. So then soon after that, I went to a rehabilitation center for two weeks. After Cynthia's stroke, she had to undergo intense physio. Thankfully, my speech wasn't impaired, but at the center, I had physical therapy and occupational therapy, and I also had speech therapy, but speech therapy for me was more of the cognitive thinking, just helping me with my memory because I had issues at the time with my short-term memory. And then I came home and I continued my physical therapy. At the time, I had in-home therapy where they would come to my home. And again, I did speech, physical, and occupational therapy. At the time, I was excited to come home because at the same time, I hadn't seen that month and 10 days that I spent at the hospital. My son couldn't come see me because of the flu epidemic, and he was still a little young to come to the hospital because of the flu epidemic. So I didn't get to see him until I got to the rehabilitation center. So I was excited to come home. But once I was home, that's when I got scared. I still have another aneurysm. It's very, very small. That's a less invasive surgery. But I was scared of that aneurysm rupturing, or I was scared of the aneurysm that was clipped all of a sudden becoming unclipped. I was scared of having another stroke. It got to a point that I couldn't fall asleep. And before bed, I would cry myself to sleep from being so scared. Cynthia's stroke also had a profound impact on her young son, Bryce. He still until now doesn't know the details. I mean, he doesn't know what a brain aneurysm is or a stroke is. But he does know that mommy fell and something happened inside of her head. And it caused mommy to fall. And she was in the hospital for a very long time. And when I came home... He was also scared and to the point that he told me that he didn't want to go to school because he was afraid that I wouldn't be home when he got home. As a mom, I mean, how do you tell your child that that's not going to happen again? You, you can't because at that time, I even wasn't sure. I wasn't even confident enough to tell him that, no, that's not going to happen again. It was terrible, and I'm still in the thick of it, but it happened for a reason. I've always been a firm believer of everything happening for a reason, and I still believe that. 
as horrible as it was, I want him to know. I'm going to wait until obviously he's a little older and he understands what aneurysms and when I'm able to explain to him what an aneurysm is or a stroke and he's able to comprehend that. But there's also the risk of aneurysms running in my family, which I mean, just now we don't have any knowledge of anyone in our family having a brain aneurysm, but I'm scared that he could develop one over time. So Yes, I want him to be conscious of the risk factors and the signs, and even not for himself, but just for those around him. It's just, it's super important for all of us, if not for ourselves, just for the people around us. Although Cynthia's had to take some time off work, it's very important to her that she returns to it soon. I'm a long-term disability, so I'm hoping to go back to work soon. My long-term disability technically ends in December. And the doctor, I talked to him a few weeks ago, and he said that, yeah, I should be fine by then. But I still have another aneurysm that I need to fix. And I just had my MRV for that yesterday. Like I said, I'm still not out of the woods. I got a synthetic bone put in. There's still the incision there that hasn't healed, and I'm still at risk for an infection. It's just, you never know. You just never know. You can wake up fine one day and then the next not be. My work has been amazing through all this. They have been unbelievable. They've been some of my number one supporters and my cheerleaders. And through all this, I email all of them regularly. We've always kept in touch throughout this year, and I've uh, given them updates. And uh, yes, I'm absolutely looking forward to going back to work. You know what? I'm as of right now. I normally before all this, I would work one day from home. They give us the luxury of doing that, so I'm planning on going back just as I was. But you know what? Time will tell. You know, if I get to December and I don't feel like I can do that, then, you know, we'll we'll talk it through and see what I'm mentally capable of. But at the same time, maybe I'll start and I'll find that maybe it's a little too much for me. And then maybe I can scale back a little bit. I'm not sure. But I am planning on going back full time as long as my body will resist. It's also still not clear why Cynthia suffered the stroke. A year and a half before the aneurysm, I did start suffering from high blood pressure, which is a major risk factor for aneurysm ruptures. But at the same time, at that time in my life, I was going through some very stressful things. The doctor and I talked it up to the stress and high blood pressure also runs my family and I was taking medication. It's stable. So we just didn't think anything of it. And again, uh, there's no reason a 34-year-old at the time should have had high blood pressure when they don't smoke, they don't drink, they eat healthy, and they exercise regularly. There's no reason for stress to be that big of an impact on a 34-year-old's high blood pressure. And I wish that we would have taken a deeper look into it because I've also always suffered from headaches and migraines, but I had gotten so many CAT scans in the past and they all came out with nothing. But the thing is, CAT scans don't show aneurysms. 
Cynthia's stroke and subsequent surgery meant she was in hospital and away from Bryce for a long period of time. But she remains positive about the future for both of them. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Cynthia talks about the kindness of strangers. I tell people my story, they're extremely sympathetic. They're very kind and they're very open. And a lot of the times I get, oh my God, I've heard of this happening so often to younger people. Or I had a friend of mine or a relative. I find the strangers are kind when you tell them your story. And she reveals how her relationship with her son has changed for the better. We are closer now than we have ever been. I've been so surprised at how he has developed through all this. He's still five, so I just never thought of my little five-year-old rambunctious, mischievous little boy being so caring and thoughtful. Let's hear how Cynthia was able to find people online who'd been through a similar experience to her. I started sharing my journey on Instagram and I was just shocked. First off, I never even heard of 30-some-year-olds having strokes or aneurysm ruptures. I didn't even know what a brain aneurysm was before all this. And when I started sharing my journey on Instagram, I ran into so many organizations and charities and just individuals talking about their journey. And I was just so shocked to find out how many other people have suffered, have gone through what I have gone through. And I've heard so many Me Too stories and, oh, um, this also happened to my mom or my sister or my friend. It's just, it's crazy how big of a community there is out there for all of this. As ineffective as social media can be sometimes for some things. I found that social media has really been a great support for me because I've been able to team up with people who have gone through exactly what I have gone through. And we've sort of formed our own community. We talk about our surgeries and our struggles and our weaknesses and just how devastating this all has been for us. So I found people who have resonated with my story and I resonate with theirs. Cynthia has found that the stroke has brought her and Bryce together. We are closer now than we have ever been. I've been so surprised at how he has developed through all this. He's still five, so I just never thought of my little five-year-old rambunctious, mischievous little boy being so caring and thoughtful. When I was at my worst, which was earlier this year, there was times that I couldn't get out of the couch. Not because I didn't want to, but just physically I couldn't. I was tired. I was just exhausted, physically and mentally exhausted. And he would always ask me, mommy, are you cold? And then he would get me a blanket or Mommy, do, or do you want some water? And he would just get me water. Or uh, if I was sitting on the couch, he would put pillows under my feet. <laughs> He's just been so sweet through all of this. When earlier this year, the bone that they put in, in December had to be removed because I got an infection. So I was without a bone flap for quite some time and I had to wear a helmet. At first, I wasn't even used to wearing the helmet. So I would get up and go without it. 
And he'd be like, mommy, put on your helmet. Don't leave the house without the helmet. <laughs> He's just been very conscious of me and my state. And just even now when I tell him, you know, mommy can't, she doesn't feel too good. And he'd be like, okay, he'll pat me on the shoulder. He, and he'd be like, I understand. <laughs> it's something that I don't like to do to him. I don't like to say, no, mommy can't. But sometimes I have to. He knows things that probably a five-year-old shouldn't know. Like he knows blood pressure, what my blood pressure does and how I take it every morning. <laughs> and he always makes sure, don't forget your blood pressure, mommy. <laughs> and he knows that sometimes after I drop him off or before I drop him off at school, I have to go to the gym to do my exercises. So yeah, he's amazing. Cynthia's recovery has been incredible but she still thinks there's room for improvement. I have come a long way in my therapy. I don't do speech therapy anymore because my memory has improved dramatically. Right now I'm doing orthopedic therapy and occupational therapy because I still suffer from a frozen shoulder. My motor skills on my left hand are lacking. Both my shoulder and my hand have improved dramatically. I'm now able to extend it fully. And I, when I walk, I have my natural swing in my arm, which was at first the goal. It continues to improve every day, but I still find it frustrating, with, especially with the motor skills on my left hand. I see the right one moving so quickly, and I want the left to do the same, especially when it comes to typing. I like to write. I've written a few pieces that have gone published, and my job is also in front of a computer. I'm a digital marketing specialist, so I still struggle to type and to get this hand to function as quickly as the right one. We have goals that we have set in especially occupational therapy. Orthopedic, I think I might be ready to not go anymore. I think maybe just a month or two more. But I mean, my shoulders definitely has improved tremendously. We have set goals. So there's these pegboards that I do with my right as a measurement tool. So I put the pegs on the board as quickly as I possibly can, and then I take them out. And I, I get timed on my right. And the goal is to get the left to do the same or better of a timing. And now, currently, I'm lacking. But I do therapy three times a week at the facility. Every day that I don't have therapy, I do my at-home program. I continue to work hard, but I, I really don't know how long I'll be in therapy. I imagine that I'll, even going back to work in December, I might do therapy once or twice a week by then. But it's something that, especially with my shoulder, I've noticed that on rainy days, it hurts more. But I also have an at-home program for that. So I think I'm always going to have a little bit of problem with my shoulder, especially when it gets tense or when I sleep on that side. But I think it'll be something that I continue doing at home. She's also been surprised by other people's reaction to her stroke. Strangers? No, I don't feel like they've treated me different because, I mean, looking at me, you don't realize that I've had a stroke or even a brain aneurysm. The only way that you will know that there's physically something wrong with my head is because I wear a scarf on my head to hide the incisions that are still vulnerable to infections. But I feel like some people 
have actually asked, which I don't mind at all. At my son's school, one of the parents asked, I hope you don't mind. And she said it very sweetly, you know, why do you wear a scarf on your head? And I told her and she's like, oh, my goodness. I feel like when I tell people my story, they're extremely sympathetic. They're very kind and they're very open. And a lot of the times I get, oh, my God, I've heard of this happening so often to younger people. Or I had a friend of mine or a relative. I find that strangers are kind when you tell them your story. And my family, yes, they absolutely treat me different, but not in a bad way. My mom, she moved in with me after the aneurysm. She retired and moved in with me to help me recover and also to help me with my son. Still, right now, I'm not driving. She does a lot for us here. I feel like she kind of walks on eggshells with me just because she's also a little scared, which I mean, I completely understand. She asks me every day when I wake up, how do you feel today? This Cynthia is a better version of the original Cynthia because she is stronger than ever. She is wiser. She is empathetic. She is vulnerable and she is not perfect. I am planning on driving again soon. I have to get evaluated again and go back to work. And I've actually already started writing a book. And it's now when I say start writing a book, I have pieces of thoughts put together and I, I still haven't come up with it to put into a book sense to actually make sense of it on a narrative level. But I will be writing a book that will be about my journey from beginning to end. And I don't know if there's an end to my journey because I feel like this will affect the rest of my life. Cynthia's advice to stroke survivors is not to rush. Take things in your own time. For the stroke survivor that is just starting out in their journey, take a day at a time. And if you can't do a day at a time, do an hour at a time because it is a journey. The journey isn't linear. It's a roller coaster. And sometimes you just want so desperately to get off of that roller coaster. I'm telling you, Right now, it's close to a year after my journey started, and I am dying to get out of this roller coaster that has had tons of bumps and halts at it. But take one day at a time, one hour at a time, or take one minute at a time. And for the friends and family of that stroke survivor, be patient. They're going to have bad days and they're going to have great days. They're going to have terrible days and they're going to have days where they're just okay. But that's okay. That's their journey and their feelings. And just because you don't feel it, it doesn't mean that they're not legit, that they're not very real and very raw. And just patience. Patience, it's key. 
Cynthia's stroke experience has been remarkable but tough. Being a single mum, she's had to rely on her mother to help raise Bryce. But thanks to her support networks, she's made an incredible recovery and is hoping to return to work in the near future. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I couldn't talk and I couldn't use my right side and I tried to call some people. I I was sharp enough to pick up the phone, but the phone died and I couldn't use my right hand. So I called one person and I I couldn't talk. Please don't forget to subscribe to Stroke Stories on your preferred podcast provider and rate and comment on the episodes you hear, if you don't mind, because that'll help other people find these powerful stories. If you'd like to learn more about stroke, please search for The Stroke Association online. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.